Welcome to the RV Navigator Podcast, your RV lifestyle digital home. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile RV studio that might be parked in a campground near you. Hello, this is Ken, your RV Navigator. And Martha, the co-pilot. And we're talking to you from our at-home studio. Once again. Having just returned from a wonderful two-week cruise through the Panama Canal. You know, it's really nice to have summer, finally. (laughs) It's one thing to have summer in the winter when we go to Florida, and it's another thing to have it here at home where we smell the fresh-cut grass, and the grass is just so green, and things are just blooming, and it's just pleasant very pleasant to be around in the summer season. Might there be a question to ask, why do we continue to live here in Illinois where the winters can be quite nasty and cause us to flee? Because this is where we've always lived, and so uh, we have two houses, one in the RV and the other one, permanent sticks house here in Chicagoland area, but we enjoy the Chicagoland area in the summer, and there are lots of things to do, and festivals, and weekend things, and bikes, and so... And people are just so darn grateful when it finally gets nice. <laughs> yeah, and we look at uh, Florida and Arizona, Texas at this time of year and think, ooh, it's really going to be hot there. So we are glad to be here, but of course. We're leaving. Of course. Well, we did leave. We took an unexpected cruise. Yeah, I said that. <laughs> Somebody kidnapped us. I know, but I mean, you know, one of the things that kind of is interesting to me, and if you're a novice or, or if you've never cruised before, if you're thinking about taking a cruise, you have to understand that cruise ships move. As do RVs. Right. And that we have had some conversations with new cruisers and they've been surprised that they feel motion on the ship. From our perspective, the cruise we just took was (laughs) incredibly tranquil and peaceful. The seas were like glass. And there was no problem with anybody getting sick or any, any severe weather. However, there was slight movement. Now, what I consider movement is that when you look hard at your water glass at dinner time, that you can actually see the water moving. You know, it'll it'll tip just slightly. I don't think there was any time when we could see the water moving in the water glasses. No. But there was slight movement. There was a time when I went swimming in the pool. Ah. That's another place where you will sense the movement. And there was nice wave action. Kind yes, of that's kind of fun. Making me bob back and forth. Yeah, I enjoyed it. But we had several people comment that they felt this was rough and that uh, the ship was moving too much for them. And you got to understand, um, this is a, <laughs> a moving vessel and that they've made major strides and making them very smooth. And, of course, the bigger the ship, I think, the smoother the ride is. And they all have stabilizers and that sort of thing to keep it smooth. But you are going to run into some (laughs) waves on occasion. And these waves were five or six feet, which is very common in the ocean and really no problem for any ship. But uh, you'll know it when it's going to be rough (laughs) because you'll see your water glasses move and you will see things. You'll have a hard time walking. And they put crime tape on. (laughs) the exterior doors and don't let you go outside. That's when I know it's rough. So you got to be prepared for that. As a novice cruiser, uh, remember that it is a moving ship. People were saying, oh, this is just unbelievable that it's so rocky, but it it really wasn't at all from our experience. But this is an RV podcast, and as some of you with 
good memories have already mentioned to us and reminded us we are about to leave on a RV caravan. We haven't taken a caravan through a travel company for right. quite a while. Oh, wow. And we are revisiting uh, parts of the Canadian Maritime provinces. That's all the stuff. Which is in the upper north northeast. of Maine. We thought doing it in a caravan and meeting some new camping friends right. would be a fun way to yeah. do it. We've always enjoyed the caravans, but we've always felt that if you could drive there, we'd just as soon do it by ourselves. But as she says, it's kind of fun to meet new people and to go with a group. And this is a caravan that's going to be about two months. So as you know, we've done caravans to Mexico. We did the Mexican piggyback. We did the Catan Peninsula. We did South Africa. Those but we've never really done one in the United States. Right, that we could have done ourselves. But this one involves some ferries and, and some activities that we couldn't easily book ourselves. So we are just going to let them take care of us for a couple of weeks. We do the driving, and I'm surprised. How much driving is the 3,900 miles after the, the caravan after starts. After we get to Maine. After we get to Maine, and it's 1,200 miles just to get to Maine. So it's a, quite a trip. We will be reporting to you, um, uh, hopefully. <laughs> I've been looking into expanding our, our Verizon service to include Canada and that's ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. starts at 15 bucks a month per phone for a hundred minutes of talk time a voice yeah. a voice and virtually no data yeah so it's going to be interesting as we approach Canada and see what uh, we will be doing in terms of our phone service quite an adventure and a, quite a long one we go up through yeah. Quebec and then through the gas bay you know, we've been there once before and it was a fabulous experience spectacular yeah. and then we go across the PEI bridge which we haven't done before to the tune because it wasn't built yet exactly, when we were there last to the tune of 75 bucks tolls. and tolls and then we will be heading to Nova Scotia and up to Newfoundland and then up to Labrador. So we will be doing the entire Canadian maritime experience, something we haven't been to some of these places and we haven't spent uh, very much time in Newfoundland and this time we'll be spending about two weeks there. So we'll be really visiting all the areas that a tourist visit. We would have liked to have spent more time in Labrador just because it looks like a big <laughs> blop on the map and we haven't been there. But, but when you look at the map a little more closely, you realize that there are very few roads there of any consequence, and I think we're just there for the day. So we I can know, say just one day that we, we did we, it. <laughs> That's your check mark. I would like to do a little bit more. <laughs> As she checks things off her bucket list. Depending on where we are at the end of next month, uh, yeah. we will do our best to get on air at the first of the month, as we always do. <laughs> but our wagon masters have warned us about um, low electricity in some of the campgrounds or no electricity in some of the campgrounds. So I'm guessing that they don't have internet either and we will be on our own so we'll see how we do we'll do our best a full test of the the all-electric coach we'll see how that goes you know we get some really great emails really keeps us motivated and we love hearing from you that's what keeps us going i think and this month we've gotten some really nice ones uh people who have binged listened to the rv navigator and you know this makes us uh, it's a very heartwarming feeling for us to think that you care enough about us to to listen to our lives and we hope that we um are returning the favor by giving you good information. But one of the things I wanted to kind of talk about is an article that we read about the popularity of podcasting. When we first started doing this podcast, I remember spending countless hours (laughs) explaining to people, especially in my age bracket, 
what on earth a podcast was. And even now, I know many people who never listen to them, right. and I kind of have felt like a disciple, really, Ken has been the leader in this, sharing with people the wonderful world of listening out there and all the things that you can learn on podcasts. And it seems like the podcast world has really exploded. Yes. And with public radio doing many podcasts and many programs just turning their hourly broadcast into a podcast, which is easily downloadable, has uh, really expanded the podcast venue. I mean, there are just the hundreds, hundreds of podcasts. And I listen to probably 20. And you listen to a different set of... I try to. There are not enough hours in the day for all that I want to listen to. Yeah. And because there's such specialized topics. It almost makes me wish that I was still a commuter. Right. A lot of the people listen to our podcast while, while they're, they're commuting, commuting. Which, is, which is very interesting, but we don't commute anymore, so we have to carve out the time out of our busy schedule. <laughs> L- living par- in parallel and companionable silence, each listening to our own podcast. Oh, that's really true. And if you don't have wireless headphones, you need to get them. Anyway, back to this article. It talks about the development of podcasts and how they have really blossomed. And have you listened to Serial? Oh, that was the most popular, even more than This American Life, which yes, is also very popular. Of course, popular. We listen, we've listened to This American Life on the radio for years. I used to tape it so that we could listen to it in the car. Uh-huh. And now uh, it's... And Ira was a Chicago boy, so yes, of course. we, and we have loved li- him forever. And we have been to the podcast itself to, to watch, watch it. Watch him do made. it. Anyway, podcasts have really blossomed. And along with that, a lot of people have had to have some incentive for <laughs> creating a podcast, and they have put in ads. This is something that really wasn't an option for us. Either you were sponsored by a radio station and they put the, the program on the air or else you did it as a pro bono sort of interesting project. Now and again we've been approached by somebody to do an ad yeah. but thus far it didn't really feel right to us. We liked the freedom of being able to say what we thought and not have to worry about what other people thought about what we said. And so we are asking our listeners da-da-da-da-da should we pursue having ads in our podcast? Or would you mind, I guess? I I was intrigued because this article talks about integrated native often host red spots. And this is something that we've come to to appreciate, is is that the ads are not the the jingly, music-laden, produced ads. They're just the hosts talking about a product that they already use and enjoy. This American Life does this. Serial does this. Reply all start up right and there's a new company what's his name started his company and um, gimlet gimlet and what's his name alex bloomberg alex bloomberg has started a company where they are actually you can listen to how the company started and how they decided to make podcasting a business and although we're not really interested in the business aspect of it these ads which are integrated into the podcast are hugely effective compared to most internet advertising so businesses pay good money for them podcasts which tend to run one or two ads before the show and two or three ads during the show can earn around $300 per ad if they average at least 10,000 listeners. Do we? For the elite circle of shows with over 400,000 users, generally the iTunes top 10, a single ad can net over $10,000. Now that gets my attention. (laughs) Unfortunately, you do not have that many listeners. 
No, but we do have monthly, we have between ten and 15,000 downloads of our podcast. And so people are listening, and that's very interesting. We have always felt that our independence was critical. And that when you hear us talking about something, it's because we are intrigued by it, or we've used it, or we like it, or that it's coming from the heart. And we may be wrong, but it's the way we feel. What we say has not been affected by the mighty we, dollar. And we have been approached to, to do advertising, so we don't take ads at the moment, but... $300 per, per ad. That's five ads per podcast, and that would be $1,500 per episode. Ooh, we could fuel up. <laughs> we could fuel up. <laughs> anyway, uh, it probably is a pipe dream, but dear listener, if we, you have a feeling one we way or another, we'd like to know. very much appreciate all of your comments, and we do take them into account. And right now, what we are saying to you is coming from the heart and just uh, expressing our surprise, it, I guess. Because there have been other listeners who have approached us and said, why on earth aren't you monetizing this in yes. some way? Which made me feel stupid. Well, and we don't, like, I don't put ads on the webpage. Yeah. You know, I don't think that that's uh, yeah. of value to our listeners, really. They get plenty of ads elsewhere. And, of course, my own personal feeling is, is I zip through the ads anyway. On the podcast, I zip through the ads. I do, too. Mine has a 15-second fast-forward. Uh-huh. You just press it. And uh-huh. So, personally, I don't listen to the ads, but maybe you will. <laughs> and for the commuters in the car, it'd be easy to fast-forward, wouldn't it? I don't know. Isn't there a fast-forward button on the... In the podcast? Uh, it would be on your iPad. iPad. Yeah, it's, iPod, it's, yeah. No, I would think it would be less easy. Mm. My headphones don't have a fast-forward. No, mine don't either. So. And sometimes when I'm doing something with wet hands, I just right. listen. And I listen to a lot on the Twit Network. And that's twit.tv. And a lot of technology, great talk shows, and they do ads all the time. It doesn't bother me. Uh, because the stuff that they're advertising is stuff that I'm fairly interested in. That's the difference, Ex- I think. <laughs> it's what kind of ads we would have. I- yeah, well, they take ads from all sorts of things. They're, right now, it's the shaving thing. Oh, they have those on the Slate podcast, What's the name of it? <laughs> Yeah. What's the name of it? Yeah, where they mail you razor blades. Well, I bought them. Yes, you did. But I didn't like them. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh <thank you. laughs> See, this is the problem. <laughs> Oh, well. Kick one advertiser out. What was the name of them? Yeah. Uh, bet, Harvey. Better not say it. <laughs> Harvey's. No, it wasn't Harvey. Okay. Obviously made a big impression on me. <laughs> well, but I did spend the 10 bucks to get the kit, uh-huh. and I tried it. So that's all they can ask. I mean, that's what an ad is for, is to get you started. If you don't like it, then don't buy it or don't use it. And in this particular case, I can, of course, abandon it without any real problem. Okay, so, of course, last month. I was on the cusp. I was hoping, beyond hope, that I would have my Apple Watch. So this is not an ad. He got up at 2 o'clock in the morning, um, not not being a morning person, as soon as the watch was on sale and ordered it and was chewing his fingernails because we were about to leave on this cruise. And, of course, by May 1st. And it it wasn't here yet. It was supposed to come on, well, April 24th is when they were supposed to be delivered. But mine, even though I got up, was not delivered then, and apparently they had problems with delivery. So, But I did get it before we went on the cruise. Or we might not have left at all. And we might have stayed home. Now, okay, so now I've got my Apple Watch. And you've used it about a month? And I can honestly say it's very 
low key. I haven't had but one or two people even notice that you had even it on. Notice that I had it on. It's not like holding an iPad. When we first had the iPad, it was quite people would talk to you about <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Whereas this just has no. It looks like a watch, but it has no obvious intrinsic appeal. One of, the, but I do like it, and I think it has a lot of viability in the future. But at the moment, it's nothing special. I liked its size. I think yes. I had visions of having an yeah. iPhone on my wrist, and I would it's not like smaller that. than the watch that I was wearing. Yeah. The standard uh, watch. Mine was an analog watch even. So this is, it's, it's smaller and lighter and easier to put on than my old watch. I like the fact that you can change the face and change, uh, so you can have anything from Mickey Mouse down to a fairly serious looking chronograph. It has very cool apps, but the apps are not totally compel- compelling to me. And you still always have to have your phone nearby to use them? Is yes. Right? Well, not, no, yes, but no. It is attached to your phone, and if you want to get connected to the Internet or use the phone service, you have to have a phone. It doesn't connect by itself. So when we are in Canada and you have no Internet, how useful will this watch be to you then? Well, the apps will still all work, Uh but if it needs location services, Uh if you want to do a walking tour of downtown Quebec, you're not going to be able to do it because unless you have Wi-Fi. So that's going to be a bit of a problem. But, you know, with the Internet of Things coming down the road, is this a familiar term to you? Well, it is because I live with you. Otherwise, I would never have heard <laughs> so of it. So what is it to you? <laughs> that you buy devices that you can control over the Internet. You just put in a new garage door opener. All sorts of which you appliances can that you haven't thought about being connected to the Internet before. I remember one time we drove away and forgot to close the garage door door, and if we didn't have a kind neighbor who went and did it for us, yes. it would have stayed open while we were gone. So the Internet of Things is connecting up all sorts of gadgets in your house that previously have been just standalone and making them connected to the Internet and then put, having an app. Now, of course, having a gazillion different apps for each device is a bit of a problem, and I think this will consolidate itself in the not-too-distant future. But it would be very nice if with one device on my wrist... I can make phone calls, of course, see the time, but that's who cares about that. I can open my garage door. I can control my TV. I could um, do any number of things. Control the temperature in the house. Before control the you get temperature home. in the house. Uh, you know, when you walk up to a device, it would it would automatically know that you are there and change the lights or whatever needs to be done. Uh, all of these things are entirely possible, and the one device that's going to make this happen is the uh, on your wrist. So you can get rid of all those other devices. Have one remote control. Why can't I have one remote control on my phone? You can. It would, uh, Yeah, it would all be attached to your phone, but the phone you have to get out. So this, you just touch the face of it, and you would be, you'd be connected. Through your phone. Your phone would still be in your pocket. Is the watch going to get any cheaper, do you think? Depends on what kind of devices need to be it's connected kind of up to expensive. it. So I've been very, I've been very happy with the comfort of it. The battery life is sufficient. You have to do have to charge it every night. Uh, the screen is very sharp, even in the daylight. I can see it outside, which is very nice. Uh, we've complained about that. With How our long cameras. does it take to charge? Ah, surprisingly, only about ninety minutes. So you could do it before you went to bed and put it back on. Yes, uh-huh. although. <laughs> Uh, as we found out today, I don't like to wear it at night because it's got this feature that it turns on the light every time you change your wrist. And, of course, at night you're always moving around and stuff, so by the morning the battery is dead. Mm-hmm. And one time you 
illuminated my face while I was sleeping. Too. Right. And, and th- well, because I forget to take it off. Yeah. And this morning, the low battery warning woke me up. Oh, that's what woke you up? It went bing-a-ding-a-ding-ding, uh-huh. saying that it had a low battery because I forgot to take it off. So that is a problem. So it's probably a good idea either to turn that feature on off or to You uh, need a routine. The- you where need you, a different where you routine, just don't right. have to think about it. You just but the charging is very charging. easy because it is wireless, and you just place the thing next to the back of it, and it charges it in very quickly. You know, we think about Apple developing these things. A lot of people have been critical about the watch because it doesn't seem to do much. But you have to understand that when Apple introduced the iPhone, people said, I don't want to be on the internet. You know, Apple was the inventor of the smartphone, and the Apple and the something we just take for granted these days is is that your phone is connected to the internet, and you take pictures with it, and all that sort of stuff. And all of that started with the iPhone when it was introduced. Before that, you had the flip phone, and maybe it took pictures, but it was, and maybe it was connected to the internet, but it certainly was a, a useful tool. It almost seems like it needs a different name because talking is the least of it. It's exactly the same thing with the phone. I don't care too much about whether it's I can talk on it. I mean, it is it is nice to have the phone, but I certainly use it mostly for other things, other data things. And I think the watch is going to be the same thing. It has always we think of it as a watch, and that's what you're saying. Yeah. Is that's a device to tell, to tell time. time. But in fact, it's going to be much more than that. Just like the smartphone took the flip phone and turned it into a really useful device, and so, other than talking. And certainly, the ability to customize it for the jobs and functions that are important to you. Well, that's what's happening with the apps, right. You have to understand that developers did not have uh, hardware watches, the watches themselves, to develop their apps on. They had to do it on a virtual machine, which means they did it on their computer, but they didn't actually have the watch in hand. So, I think the apps are slow in being developed at the moment because there was just no way for them to develop good apps. And it's a cart and a horse thing. As more and more people have watches, there'll be more demand for the apps. Well, and of course, Apple Pay is very cool. That's the other thing. You don't even have to have your wallet anymore because with this, you don't have to take your phone out of your pocket. You just hit that watch to the pay device in the store, and it is paid for. And that's very secure. Because if, uh, no. if you lose your watch, you also need the phone? Uh, it's very interesting that the watch is very security conscious. The moment you take it off your wrist, and it's even if your phone is there, it asks you for a password. Hmm. If your phone is, like right now, what I just did, I had to put the password in because yeah, my phone is it. upstairs. I saw you do it. And... Uh, that's <laughs> could be a problem, uh, but it is very security conscious. So if you if it's taken off your wrist or if your phone is not directly available, it automatically shuts down. Well, it asks you for a password uh-huh. which you've put in. Uh-huh. You can, of course, turn that off, and I assume that most people won't, but certainly it, it gives you a feeling of security so they can't see you. Especially if you've got pay stuff on there. Right. So, you know, you can be able to walk around with your phone in your pocket and your watch on your wrist and do all the tasks that you might do today with multiple devices. How are you going to use this on Amazon.com, your favorite shopping site? No problem. I just hit my... No, you could use it online. (laughs) Apple Pay works online uh and Amazon. uh But not your watch. Well, not the watch per se, but Apple Pay does. Yeah. But I don't know. Can I... Is there an app? I don't think there's an Amazon app. I don't know if I can go shopping on my... Oh, probably. I I bet you can. Yeah, okay. So next month we find out whether Ken can go shopping at Amazon. Who's been delivering on Saturdays and Sundays at his house since he's been home. Do they do it to Canada? 
Are your shopping days numbered? I'm not. That's why I've been shopping hard now. Have you? Not, have you ever? What's going to happen? Well, we will come home to the con- the friendly confines of Chicago to do more shopping once the summer is about over. Oh, we're going to miss the summer, aren't we? That's too bad. A lot of it. We have no interview today. Do you realize it's that? It's just us. It's just us. How oh, dull. How oh, dull. <laughs> Probably. And we had an interview a while ago. Uh, we talked to Keith down in uh, the great outdoors. And he was, he's a good friend. He helped us uh, install the our oven, <laughs> our microwave oven. He's kind of a cell phone guy. And he gave us a good trick, which I meant I forgot to mention earlier. The great outdoors, the cell phone connectivity is very poor. Especially if you're in the wrong spot. Right. Well, that's always the case. In some places, you know, it's, it's very poor. And you've got those dots on your phone which tell you what the signal strength is. But they're really not very helpful because they're not very accurate. And he showed us a way, a hack for your cell phone, for your iPhone. And I'm not sure whether it's available for others or not. But a hack for your iPhone where it turns those dots into signal strength numbers. It's very easy to do. It's just typing in a few numbers into your phone and it will change the the dots permanently well until you change it back you can change it back to the regular dots if you like those but it tells you the signal strength in db precisely right so the lower the number the higher the strength so a minus 80 db is a very strong signal minus 120 is a very weak signal so you can see exactly what the signal strength is, and, and as you move around, you can see by the dB exactly what the signal strength is and improve your signal strength. And one of the reasons I was looking at it is because I was testing the use of my uh, Wilson repeater. So we were checking to see exactly how much extra signal strength the Wilson was giving me. And I was surprised that in dots I didn't see a lot, but in dB I did see a lot. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to tell you what this hack is right here because it's fairly complex and you'd have to write it down. So there is a web page, several web pages, and if you type in cell phone signal strength hack or something like that, you'll get back these pages. But I'm going to put one of them on the show notes on the show notes so that you can look at that. And, of course, that will be at rvnavigator.com, and you can see exactly how to make this, this change. You are interested in getting a new credit card, an independent one from your husband. Can you believe that prepare for a rant <laughs> which i really do i do there are I really do. we were married at a time when there were no credit cards hard as that is to believe and over the years we have accumulated <laughs> some and used them regularly and in olden times the paper bills olden came, times came to our 16th home century and i could open the envelope and see how much in debt we were. But this has gradually evolved to the point where all of our credit card bills come to my husband online. I never see them. I don't know how broke we are. Uh, We are signed up with credit cards that send the mileage to airlines, which we patronize, but all the mileage goes to him. Whenever I want to redeem something or let them know that we are about to leave, which is good protocol these days, they treat me like chopped liver. And I am very nervous about the fact that I have no credit history of my own. Time out. This is not the husband's fault. This is not 
something that the husband promotes. This is not something that the husband has sought. So I've been, Do you agree with that? Um, for the most part. You could communicate the emails better, but that's about it. Oh, the the oh, protocols oh. are done by the credit card companies. They, have, don't, they don't want to work with you. And your people. name is on all the credit yeah, cards. Yeah. I mean, and, I've been very thorough about that. And that fries me, too, because if, if my husband vanished from the face of the earth, I would be liable for all of his Amazon shopping because my name is on the credit card. And that just didn't well, feel we, right to me. We but, co-own everything, yeah. including the motorhome and, yeah, the, yeah. and the house yeah, and yeah. everything. But I feel very much like a second-class citizen. But not in, because of me. In that world. I don't know what else you want me to say, except that I've been looking for well, you're a going good to... place to get a credit card of my own. To where try you're to, the primary. Where I'm the primary. I'm skeptical if they will even let me do that, but I really? haven't um, tried yet, so I will keep my skepticism and on I, hold. And I'm supporting her in this also. Because I suspect that I will have to get the credit card without you in order to be a primary. Yeah. But, but That's then you, fine. But we, we'll, we'll see. Well, and then you can get a card in my name or give me uh, access to it. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I just wanted to talk about this for all of you ladies out there who have become disenfranchised by your credit card well, And you companies. don't even know it because the credit card has your name on it. Yeah. I Over the years, I've been and, feeling and, like a full-fledged partner, and, one and of it's th- become and, more and, and more clear to me that I'm not. And one of the specific issues that we had is that Chase, who we have at least two credit cards with, Chase would not give you access to our credit cards on their website. Right. And we we said, why? Because she's not the primary card holder. Well, so what? She Her name is on the card. She has a credit card with you. Why don't you give her access online? Which would make it very difficult for me to pay the bill, which comes to your email, which I don't necessarily see. So that's a problem. Yes, and they don't. they will not accommodate us in giving us both equal access. I'm I'm fine with having equal access. But well, it should be however you want to set it up, and we've done everything and, share. And what's and their reason for not giving you access to it, to letting you see it online? Because they don't do that. It's simpler for them to only have one person. So, I mean, that just doesn't make sense. And I'm very angry about it. And ladies, pay attention because you need a credit history of your own. Okay. To be continued. To be continued. We'll let you know what she gets in terms of her credit card in the not-too-distant future. And how I am treated when I try to do that. Reader email. Hello, Ken and Martha. We continue to enjoy your podcasts and websites. I found an RV link section on your site to be very helpful. You might want to include a link to the RV Mobile Internet Resource Center that can be found at rvmobileinternet.com of course that link will be put up on our website and you will have uh, access to that did we talk about them before that looked familiar to me I don't know I'm not sure they have a lot of experience in cellular and internet connections from their RV and their website includes a lot of free information there is also a paid subscriber section too that includes some extra features they just published the 2015 edition of their book the mobile internet handbook which I have found to be extremely valuable. Yes, I have that also. Just a suggestion. We look forward to you continued podcasting. So it's a very nice email from Bill. Email number two. I was listening to the April edition of the RV Navigator yesterday in which you were talking about going to the RV school as well as interviewing your friend who just bought an RV. While listening, it occurred to me that I might have something worth mentioning on your next podcast. Of course, it might be so basic that everyone should already know this, but I didn't. And <laughs> there are no stupid there questions. There are no stupid if questions. You don't know, but, you I, don't know. but you know, we we forget to talk about some of these topics. In summary, one needs water in their water heater before turning it on. 
it seems obvious, but he's right. We have a suburban water heater unit that can be used on propane or electric. I had no idea what the switch was on the water heater and turned it on shortly after buying our travel trailer. So there's a switch under the cover in his water heater. I probably left it on for 15 or 20 minutes and then turned it back off, still not knowing what it was for. On our maiden voyage with the rig, I arrived at the campground only to find that every time I plugged in the power, I would trip the GFI on the pole. This was due, as we found out, to the water heater element being burned up and causing some sort of short to ground. So, lesson learned. I paid $100 (laughs) of stupid tax to get it fixed. I would love to hear your podcast somebody dedicated to stuff like this i can only imagine you have suffered your own mishaps over the years and we could all learn from you too in this regard well yes of course we have and i haven't we talked about them over the years but you know there's a readiness thing i'm sure we have talked about this but you know you hear it you know months earlier and then suddenly it it dawns on you what the what it is yes there is a switch probably two switches ours had two switches one switch under the cover of the water heater and then another one that was uh, more easily accessible on the accessories control panel uh, interior so that when you turn on the water heater without any water in it the heating element will burn up very quickly and 15 or 20 minutes (laughs) probably much less because it heats up gets very hot and then fries itself so that's a very bad idea and this can happen anytime you know when you're winterizing it or whatever you're always taking water out of it (laughs) if you live in cold in a cold climate (laughs) which some of us do so the water heating element burns out and of course you don't know it if you use it on propane or in this particular case, I'm surprised that he was able to find the the reason why his he was tripping the GFI so so frequently. Be careful about the water heater, and I'm sure there are other things like this, but I can't think of them at the moment. You know, obviously dumping things. And but if you have some tips like this, please share them with us. We'd be more than happy to. And there are no stupid questions. <laughs> um, I think we probably have made most of our stupid mistakes before we started podcasting, which is why we didn't think to talk about them. But right. we've been at this a long time. <laughs> yeah, but that one, we went for years without having, I couldn't, I didn't even have the electric. We didn't use electric. Well, I couldn't because it, it, didn't was, work. it had been burned out by the previous owner right. and our other motor. Right. And it wasn't until we had problems with our water heater that I decided to replace the heating element. Right. And frankly, I liked the electric a lot. That was a, a good option. I was glad that I put it in, but it cost a few bucks to replace the heating right. element. Right. And it's not that big of a deal. You can do it yourself, but you do have to remember to turn it off. And it's best to turn it off at the water heater so that that nobody on the inside can actually accidentally turn it on. Okay. Oh, a couple of cool apps that I found. Track My Tour is a very cool app. It's a simple location-based mobile blogging app. You simply drop waypoints while you are on tour to show your location, which you can then enrich with your blog entry or photo. You can then submit your entry to the application, which communicates with MyTrackTour.com website and updates your Google Map, which your friends and family can follow along. So I'm going to try this on our next trip. I've I've wanted to do this. I have a simple way 
of putting a map of where you've been on a website. So you do my trip journal. Right. And you... I manually have to put on the map where we are. Right. So the way this works, and this is trackmytour.com. So what it does is when you take a picture and you, within the app, and you upload it onto the website, it automatically puts a pin on the map and <laughs> draws from your last location. I'm not even room. sure if you had to take a picture. Oh, I think you just had you to, to log, in. log in. Right. Because some of the ones I looked okay. at were I just, actually were done just it waypoints. Right. But on our trip, I'm going to start doing this because I often like to know where the campgrounds are, you know, which she doesn't often tell us which campground we're staying no, in and no, that sort of stuff. No. So I can blog and put in campground information and where we're staying and where we had lunch. And it's very easy to do. So it doesn't take a lot of uh, writing and, and record keeping. You just click it, put it up. And it's done. And you don't have to have a good internet connection while you're doing it because it'll just upload it when you do. And I'll put a link on the RV Navigator website so that we can have our listeners follow us along every step of the way. And it's a free app. (laughs) It's free. How I love free. It's a free app, yes. Second app that you might want to consider, and this is another cool one, which helps us solve a problem which we have often had. It's called Wandering Weather. The idea is simple enough. Using data returned by the Weather Service, the app lets you let you add a starting point and a destination with location data, data based on Apple Maps. You can choose a start time and then hit the large Calculate Route button to switch to a map view that will display forecasts for the selected date and time and subsequent checkpoints along the way. You can tap on transit points to get more information about the forecast, such as temperature and probability of precipitation. Or you can unlock the the premium version for 99 cents in-app purchase to see the travel details. If you don't want to unlock the extra features, the app is perfectly suitable in its free version, but will display iAds. So the cool thing about this is is that it tells you when the optimum time to leave is weather-wise. This is in particular a question we ask ourselves at Christmas time as we are about to leave the Illinois area for points south because you're usually well aware of storms in your area, but it's hard hard to plan ahead three days down the road for where you're going to be down the road and right. what it's going to be like there. And this is something we didn't pay enough attention to uh, in our locations. early days. And we have, we do the basic do, tip, pay do, attention to the weather. We do this manually. Now I put in cities in my phone and just check them periodically, right, right. but to have that information before you leave home would be wonderful. Well, and have this app constantly checking and updating right. your route so right. that you can see what the weather is all the way along the line. You just press on the waypoints along it, and I, we haven't used this either, but <laughs> but we will. And I remember one point in particular where we should have stopped, and if we had been better informed, we would have stopped right. rather than pellets of ice endangering our lives. <laughs> right. All right. So this is turning out to be a very interesting podcast. We have lots of good tips and sh- If you do sh- say so yourself. Even if I do say so myself. <laughs> I think we need an <laughs> okay, somebody must be willing to pay for this constant stream of information. Don't we'll see. Okay, special deal on a TPMS. And you know what a TPMS is. I had to think about it a long time, but it's a tire pressure monitoring system. Right. We have talked extensively about TPS. T- Which continues to be TMS. a frustrating process, but that's not what we're going to talk about today. Right. I'm still not totally satisfied, but a TPMS is, TPMS is valuable, it, it, especially in a motorhome, especially in a trailer. And when you're towing, too. 
towing a trailer, or right? towing a car, too. You yeah, don't, I don't know think what's it, going on in the back. Most either. new cars and trucks have a TPMS built in, but your trailer doesn't. And if you blow a tire on the trailer, there have been so many times when you've seen pictures of trailers that have the whole rear end ripped up because the tire blasts its way into the interior and makes a hole in the wheel well and all that sort of stuff. Or the all that could have been saved. Exactly, exactly. So a TPMS is extremely valuable, and they're coming down in price. You, now, need, you need to have one. The blogger at Outside Our Bubble, which is a blog, OutsideOurBubble.com, has a tire pressure monitoring system deal. He wanted to buy one, and he contacted the manufacturer and said, can you give my readers a deal? And they said yes. Not only does he tell you why you want one, but he's going to give you a deal on one, uh, and a pretty good one. Our, our friend who was the novice RVer uh, in his motorhome just bought it and was quite happy with it, although he's just going to be using it for the first time this weekend, but installed it, and it seems to be working So it gives fine. you free programming, and they mail it to you for free. That's the deal, right. I think. But, you know, these cost 200 and $250 or so. And, by the way, you do not want to wire it in 12-volt system. Because if you do... <laughs> If you do, you will be awakened in the middle of the night when the alarm goes off because there's some tire pressure problem. So the issue is is that when you wire it in, it you can't turn it off so that it's on all the time. So, that, so when we're on the road, you recharge ours once a week or so. Yeah. So do not use the internal battery. Don't wire it in. A special tip from your friends at the RV Navigator from a hard-learned lesson. RV travel will surge this summer, says a new survey of RVers by... Cvent, the RV Industry Association, compared to 2014, 66% of the RVers say, say they will be using their rigs more this year. What will they do? Seeing America, 91%. Staying active, 84%. Vacationing for less money, 82%. Keeping children active, <laughs> 76%. Visiting national parks, 74%. Enjoying outdoor activities, 72%. And blah, 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 blah. Lots of places that people are going this summer, and it's going to be a busy summer. 10 Best Campgrounds for Families is also on our website. And if you are interested in going to some of the best ones for your family, take a look at our website. Summer is nearly here, and it's time to start thinking about getting back to nature and as a family. Whether you'd like to pitch your own tent or get a good night's sleep in an air-conditioned cabin, there are a number of campgrounds across the United States that are great for all kinds of families. And I'm going to give you the link to that also. What do you think about the best kind of road trip, a luxury RV without the camping? It made me think about (laughs) the time that one of our listeners accused us of being elitist. And while I don't feel elitist, I could understand why they said so. A lot of it involves money. And this person is doing a kind of camping that never crossed my mind because I would never have this much money. But what they are talking about, and I can see their point, is that they have bought a very lavish Class B vehicle uh, that you could easily live in and sleep in and used it more as a way to make road trips more pleasant for yourself and your family, but ending up at a motel at the end of the day. (laughs) Ending up at a motel. Hmm. So they're talking about it's nice not to have to worry about finding a bathroom. It's nice to have snacks and drinks that are cold without having to redo the ice in the back of the ice chest. Put the kids to sleep in the back. Places to take a nap. But this is a $150,000 rig that class b and that's what's really talking about and they're using it as a so it's an 
like a luxury limo. It's a van. Yeah. Now, one of the things that's really happened, I think, is, is the luxury Class B market has really expanded, and there's tons of good choices. And I think I was reading the other day that Winnebago's best-selling RVs is their Class B. They're the fastest-growing market share is their Class B. Mm-hmm. And those little Class Bs that are fully equipped, whether you use <laughs> whether you use it to sleep in or not, still are very nice vehicles uh, for tr- family travel. And this was written by somebody who is not excited about taking their whole house with them down the road as we do, which is another valid point. Right. So the article is, is called The Best Kind of Road Trip, A Luxury RV Without the Camping. So they don't stay in it overnight. So that's a very interesting concept. And I don't know if, how many people do that. You could easily park it in a motel parking lot. Right. Why would you want to sleep in somebody else's bed? Well, because the bed isn't very big here. Right. right. Or if you had four. Well, in the article, or, they talked about one night that the mom and dad of the family had to sleep in it because the people they were visiting didn't have enough beds in their house. Yeah. And they found the bed not all that comfortable. Right. But you could, in an emergency, sure. sleep in it sure. or whatever. So it's a nice idea. So even if, if you've got the money. So if you're an RV Navigator podcast listener who doesn't really <laughs> want an RV, <laughs> here's a way for you to, to buy an RV and to get into the market. This and, is not a commercial. <laughs> but it could be if you want to pay us $300. <laughs> Per episode. Oh, have we gotten ourselves into a... We're selling our souls to the... Last thing is the uh, the fabulous There I Fixed It, where he fixes his RV with duct tape. Rolls and rolls and rolls, rolls of it. So you'll want to take a look at that at picture, picture on our website because it's a good example of what not to do. Well, I don't know. Maybe it, well, maybe it works. I don't know. But An it's, a very interesting, it's a very interesting fix for his RV. So that brings us kind of to the end of this podcast, and we are very glad that you were with us, and we hope that you will correspond with us and let us know what you're thinking, and you'll join us on our caravan as we head to Canada at the end of June. So keep those suggestions and questions coming. We really love hearing from you. They keep us inspired and give us things to talk about when we can't think of anything on our own. Okay, so that's it. We hope to see you in a campground near us. If you're in Canada in uh, July and August, we will be there. Or in northern Maine, we will be headed that direction. So we hope to see you in a campground near us in the not-too-distant future. Thanks for listening. Happy travels.